You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to get the latest on Deshaun Watson's knee injury with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. Discuss all the week nines, significant games, and provide your fantasy fix. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former NFL safety Nick Ferguson. Nick, I'll take you back to a conversation you may not recall we had in August. I was kicking around the notion Jets could go 1-15. We were talking about tanking. You said that's not going to happen with Todd Bowles on the sideline. With the Jets at 4-5, and five, where do you put Bowles in the coach of the year conversation? I think definitely you have to uh, put him up there because if we're looking at the most improved team coming into 2017, it definitely has to be the Jets. And, you know, I, I say that we that win because you know, I played for Todd Bowles when, uh, when I was a member of the New York Jets. He was my uh, defensive back coach. Bill Parcells was there as well. If you know any guys who have come from that coaching tree, uh, they're very uh, tough on their players. They coach them hard. Uh, but the difference with Todd is that he played the game. He knows how to relate to his players. You can see how the guys on defense uh, are playing, opposed to the way they played last year. Last year, this was a defense that gave up big plays. They they really didn't do what they needed to do as far as shutting down the opponents uh, on the ground. But, but but this year, they've been really impressive and to create and force four turnovers last night on a very talented Buffalo team that we were thinking, okay, well, Sean McDermott has come in. He's really changed the culture of this Buffalo unit, a team that has, I guess, a, a playoff drought, I believe, going on, you know, 17, 18 years. So we thought they had, you know, turned things around. But, hey, you know, it, it's crazy. This is the NFL. Uh, the Jets lost a, a close game against the Miami Dolphins, but they come out on, you know, a short week and really show people that the country – that you know they still play a great uh, brand of football uh, in New York. So that that division within itself, that AFC East, that we thought that was pretty much kind of locked up with New England. Maybe not so much because remember this is the same team who was maybe uh, a reverse call or fumble away from beating the New England Patriots. So they're right where they need to be. Nick, when you see how the, the Jets played yesterday, it was pretty much how we've seen Buffalo play over some time this year, defensively being stingy, maybe not getting all the turnovers, but creating uh, the changing of possessions really quick, creating sacks. I think it was, what, nine attempts? It was five t- sacks on Tyrod Taylor. Are you believing what you see from this Jets team, which is an energy that looks like it's like we have nothing to lose and everything to gain? That you're absolutely right, Cordell, and you know, I don't know if you've ever been in these type of locker rooms, but when your back is against the wall, usually that's when you really find out who you are as a man and you find out who you are as a team. And once again, coming into the season, no one really predicted the fact that the Jets would be where they are right now currently. And uh, the, everything starts with defense. That is something I know, you know, you know, being uh, a former member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's the one thing they did well. I mean, I don't care who you have on the opposite side. But if you can get after that quarterback, you can harass him. If you can throw him off rhythm and make his life completely miserable, you definitely have a chance, no matter who you have, 
at the quarterback under center for you. And right now, you know, Josh McCown, I mean, he's not jumping off the page statistically. He, he's not having, you know, Tony Romo or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees numbers. It's just the fact that how efficient can you be? Can you play to your defense? And the idea is don't turn the ball over. Let your defense pretty much, you know, go out there and let them eat. Put them in great situations. And so far, the way that they're playing, it, it, it is really shocking, but it's awesome at the same time. It brings up another point. You know, another team, you know, Jacksonville. No, no one figured that they would play the way that they have been playing thus far, but it's that same recipe. It's like you play great on defense, you get after the quarterback, you force turnovers, you give extra possessions to your offense, you always have an opportunity to win games on Sunday. Taking you around the league with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. You referenced Jacksonville, so let's talk about the AFC South. So hard to hear yesterday that Deshaun Watson went down with a torn ACL, especially in the wake of that amazing game Sunday between Houston and Seattle. But, Nick, go back to last year. We were doing first and goal together. Tom Savage played well before he had the concussion. Small sample size, I know. Do you think he can at least hold this offense together as Houston tries to move forward without Watson for the rest of the year? But now putting Tom Savage in, I mean, you're trying to put, you know, some scotch tape on a leaky hole in the ship. And that's going to be very difficult because seeing Deshaun Watson come out and play the way that he's played has been really impressive. Watching him play against Seattle, that, that was the thing that said well, to me that this guy is the face of the NFL. You, and you heard Richard Sherman, you know, his comments about, you know, watching Deshaun, you know, go out and play against, you know, his, his defense and how great – that they were because they have all these Hall of Famers and potential Hall of Famers on their defense. So, you know, Tom Savage has some big shoes to, to fill. I mean, if you have Russell, there's no J.J. Watts. Now there is no Deshaun Watson. So that explosive offense that we've had a chance to watch week in and week out is like, can he go out and can he duplicate that? Because it was more than just throwing the ball down the field vertically. It was like being able to move the pocket with, with your feet, and that was something that Deshaun – Watson did, he did it, he did it well. It's like when Cordell knows it. As a quarterback, you have to have eyes in the back of your head. I mean, you have to be able to anticipate, you know, where those throwing windows are going to be, when they're going to close. And Deshaun Watson did an excellent job of that as as a rookie. So Tom Savage, some tough shoes to fill. I don't know in a division that is so close in the South, but Tom Savage as a quarterback, the playoff hopes for the Houston Texans just went down the drain. Speaking of another quarterback situation, uh, let's go into Denver. Uh, they're going to Brock. <laughs> this guy has lives all over the place. I don't know about nine of them, but he has a <laughs> lot of lives. This dude is back in Denver, having a chance to reunite with the team uh, that he once played for and had some success, which caused him to get the $70 million deal in Houston. How do you see this playing out for him, having that he's having a chance to play against Philadelphia, and then maybe if he plays well enough, stays around to play against the New England Patriots uh, the next week? Well, well, first of all, for him, he has to be ecstatic. No one is Ohio. He departed Denver, uh, went to Houston, didn't go with the team to uh, the White House to celebrate a tradition like every team goes when you win the championship, and then he shipped off to, to Cleveland and wasn't that impressive there. Now he's back uh, in Denver. And, and now Trevor Simeon, who was in the same room with both he and Peyton Manning, now he gets an opportunity, you know, to, to take the, the, the keys out and drive the car 
And for him, he, he gets an opportunity that a lot of players don't get. You go back to a team that you shouldn't have, shouldn't have never left in the first place with a great defense. Now to kind of revitalize your career. It's this week against a really good Philadelphia Eagles team who have uh, they have an excellent quarterback on the other side in Carson Wentz. So he's going to get tested early. We're going to start with Oswald Ainge as a player and what he is mentally. And then you just mentioned it. His biggest win last season when he was a member of the Denver Broncos was against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. That was the thing that helped cement that huge deal with the Houston Texans. So he's thinking mentally, all I have to do is get to New England. You know, get past, however I need to get past the Philadelphia Eagles, get to New England. I've already beat that team. You know, no Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady's there, Brian Woolley's there. I've done this before. This is now my job. This is my, my time. I don't have to worry about looking over my shoulders because there's no paid manning. So he's looking to seize the moment. If he can do that, now we could possibly talk about a different Broncos team and Brock Osweiler in 2018. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, you're based in Los Angeles. You know, Rams have a real nice window. Lakers are struggling. Dodgers series is done. Rams 5-2 and two coming off the bye. We know the Giants are struggling, as Joe Namath once said. But any chance the Rams should be on upset alert? Do you think they could be looking past this matchup? The dreaded early body clock issue going from west to east to play at the Meadowlands. Absolutely. We've seen this happen already. It happened to uh, the Atlanta Falcons when they played the Miami Dolphins coming off a of bow. Then we've seen it happen again to the Denver Broncos when they played uh, the same you know, Giants team as well. And we saw that they were not able to muster any points, put anything on the board. So you always worry about your team, especially when going into a bye, you're hot. And then you, you wonder if that team is going to sizzle out and play to their caliber of offensive defense or play down to their, their opponents. So this is going to be a true test. And we always talk about those trap games in the NFL. This is definitely a trap game for the Los Angeles Rams. If they want to continue to surge for it and continue to change the narrative as far as everyone looking at this team as being totally different than it was last year under Coach Jeff, uh, Jeff Fisher, they have to go out there and they have to win this game. And they have to do it in an impressive fashion the way that they've done it. You know, great play from the quarterback position of Jared Goff. And, you know, you look at Todd Gurley, he has to continue to make strides and have those big games, both catching the ball and run the ball out of the backfield. Give me your take on the Philadelphia Eagles now that they have Jay Ajayi added to the, to the, to the fold. You have Smallwood, of course. You have Garrett Blunt. And now Jay Ajayi, who's a different style of a runner, uh, maybe similar to a Darren Sproles who's injured for the year, but bigger and a little bit more explosive. How much better is this team now that you add him to the mix? You know what, Cordero, I'm going to liken this to uh, a New England Patriots team. And the reason I do that because the Patriots always uh, have always for years found a way to get you know cast-offs, young upstarts, and mix them with, with veterans. And the one thing that makes the Patriots so good is when someone goes down, they have another guy to insert into the offense. And the fact that you now, you have Miguel Blanc, he can be your fourth down guy, he can be your, your uh, guy to pound it in inside the red zone, uh, you know, for your goal line offense. But also you add Jay Ajayi, who was sensation last year with the Miami Dolphins, who, because the offense couldn't really move the ball from an offensive line and reestablish that line of scrimmage, I mean, his fantasy numbers went down. So now you put him in an offense with, you know, Zach Ertz at the tight end, Carson Wentz, we continue to talk about how impressive 
he's been, and then Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, and Nelson Aguilar. So now you have all these weapons around Jay Ajayi, which now is going to open up all those lanes that he didn't have as a member of a Miami Dolphins, and it makes this Philadelphia Eagles team a really scary team, not just in you know the NFC, but just you know overall in the NFL, because their defense is not one of those top-tier defenses, but when your offense is scoring points and they can spot you 21, now that puts the pressure on opposing offenses, and now that pass rush, they can eat. They can get after that quarterback because now they know now that other team has abandoned the run game because now they have to focus on passing the ball. So, uh, you know, Philadelphia added a great piece. I'm still scratching my head on this from the Miami Dolphins. You know, have they really decided to tank the season by getting rid of Jay Ajayi? But they've done him a favor. He's with the team that definitely – Destined for the playoffs, and we have to see if they can get all the way to Minnesota. Wrapping up with the 49ers, you had a coaching insurship with that franchise this summer. You played with John Lynch, you know, Kyle Shanahan. Are you buying Kyle Shanahan when he told the media this week there's no guarantee Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play at all this season for the 49ers? Well, I mean, there, there's a little to that. You know, be Webb and Cordell, because there's still this race to the bottom because everyone wants that, that, that first round pick. Because if you get that first-round pick, and we talked about it off-air on uh, first and goal on Sunday on TuneIn, uh, that if you are the San Francisco 49ers and you're able to, to capture that uh, first overall pick, now you can use that to gain a litany of picks. Now you can move down still in the first round and get you know, maybe a first-round pick at 28 instead of number one and then get a second-round pick, uh, you know, two second-round picks. So, Right now, you don't want to play Jimmy G because we already know that San Francisco, they don't really have all the weapons offensively that they need. They're beat up on the offensive line. You don't want to take a guy who now is your, you know, your franchise quarterback that you traded for. You don't want to put him behind that offensive line. And also, you don't want to put him behind that offensive line and he starts winning games. Now, once he starts winning the game, that, that overall pick that you're seeking is no longer there. So, yeah, I am really buying what Kyle Shanahan because of those factors. You don't want to lose that opportunity to collect more picks and make your team that much better in 2018. And a step in that direction with the news, Pierre Garçon has been shut down on the IR with a neck injury. Finally, and most importantly, let us know about the new bundle of joy in your life. Congratulations, my man. A baby boy, what's his name? His name is Kenzo, and he was uh, 9 pounds, 4 ounces. Wow. And 21 and a quarter inches. That's a large individual. Yeah. One more time with the name, and how did you derive that unique name? His name is Kenzo, K-E-N-Z-O-U. Uh, my, my wife wanted something, you know, different, uh, something unique. So uh, she came up with uh, that particular name, and uh, we, we polled it like we do everything. And, uh, <laughs> Everyone loved it, so, you know, we went with it. Yeah. I like it. That's going to stand out. And congratulations, most importantly. Plus, if you just want the nickname, you can call him Ken, right, to shorten it? Exactly. All right. For sure, right. Or call him Zoe. Kenzo Ferguson. What's the middle name? Kenzo. The middle name is Hunter, so it's Kenzo Hunter Ferguson. That sounds like an actor. Get that kid in the show business. That's a unique name. 
Exactly. That 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 that's what we were aiming for. You know, make sure he can get employed. Or you know, yeah. So you oh, can do, wait a minute. Let's yes, sir. Get the resume first. Yes. Yeah, so so that's always the idea. Right. You have a child star. Then you don't have to come in and work with me on Sundays. Well, congratulations. We missed you, and glad to hear everyone's doing well. We'll see you again in the studio on Sunday. Thanks, Nick. See you on Sunday, everyone. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. Touchdown! From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Is a touchdown. Catch NFL First and Goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we're joined by John McClain from the Houston Chronicle with the latest on Deshaun Watson's knee injury. John, as always, we appreciate the time. What can you tell us about how Watson suffered this injury yesterday? They were in practice outdoors at their grass field across from Energy Stadium. They were practicing in front of members of the military because it's salute to service weekend that they do this once a year. And uh, he tossed the ball to one of his backs and his, his right knee buckled. And uh, everybody everybody held their breath. He had to go to an, get an MRI by the time the results were known. Players came out of their meetings and as you used a good Adjective, uh, Brian, devastated. That's what everybody was at a time when the city is so euphoric over the Astros winning their first World Series. The victory parade is downtown today at 2 o'clock. Everybody is crushed. It's a seesaw of emotion. You go from the exhilaration of winning the World Series to the devastation of losing the quarterback that's off to the greatest start of any rookie in NFL history. When you see that happen and then all of a sudden Tom Savage has to step in um, you, you try to, um, let's just say, be as sensitive towards everything as possible, but yet uh, the next man up really has to apply. How do you see this thing changing uh, for, as I remember one time Coach Bill, Bill O'Brien mentioned, the playbook is only a full pl- four-play difference between the two quarterbacks. I think we all can attest that is not the case. So how do you see this team uh, responding moving forward with Tom Savage? Uh, Cordell, first of all, I picked the – Texans to beat the Colts 37-17, and I revised that to 19-17 to because Savage played the first half against Jacksonville. He got sacked six times. They put in Watson, hoping his mobility would offset the pass rush. It did not. He was sacked four times, and they got beat 29-7. to Now, um, since then, Watson's been the starter, and with him as the starter, they've averaged 34 points. In the last five games, they've averaged 39 points. He has been brilliant. And so now you're going back to Savage, who's a pocket passer, who will restrict the playbook. Bill O'Brien was doing a tremendous job of devising game plan and calling plays to take advantage of Watson's skill set, which includes he's very mobile. And Savage is your pure pocket passer who lacks mobility, but it is a great opportunity for Savage. It's the last year of his contract. In a perfect world, he'll play like their quarterbacks have played the previous three years, just well enough to manage the game, don't turn it over, and 
maybe finish nine and seven, but that's this division is not as good at this point as most of us thought it would be improved. Right now it's still pretty mediocre, but Savage is gonna have to play a lot better than he looked in that first game in the offensive line, which has been mediocre at best. I don't know how you do it when you get two tackles that ought to be backups as starters, but uh, somehow they're going to have to give him a little protection because he's not going to be able to avoid the rush like Watson. Plus, the Texans sent Dwayne Brown to Seattle. Some more issues up front. We're talking Houston football with our friend John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. John, this is horrible news for Houston and the league because Watson is such a bright, shining star. I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna, but if we're putting this in context, he tore his left ACL in college. Yesterday, he injured the right knee. So perhaps a modicum of good news, he didn't do further damage to the left knee? Yeah, no no damage to his left knee, just to his right knee. And you guys know players come back from ACLs. Uh, training camp starts in eight months. You ought to be ready for that season. Then, But still, team ought to be better. Offensive line ought to be better the next time he plays. And the defense should be better, too. But as you can imagine, he was devastated as well because not only was he playing great, he's such a good kid. Everybody likes him, not just on the field, but off the field as well. He earned He was earning so much respect around the NFL. I thought it was so interesting when Richard Sherman, after Sunday's game, told Peter King that that was the best any quarterback had ever played against them. Not a rookie quarterback, but any quarterback. When you see the momentum that this team has because of the 19 touchdowns that Deshaun Watson was capable of connecting with his wide receivers, those guys are already in rhythm as far as running the deep routes and, and, and being able to get open. That's a good thing for Tom Savage coming in. Do you think he'll be able to ride that momentum and feed off of it as they move forward? Because they've been playing some really, really good football on the offensive side. If he gets time to throw, that's the key. Savage has got a great arm. He can make any throw, but he's got to have time. You know, He can't hold the ball. I would imagine we're going to see a lot of three-step drops. Watson was just magical. He was good in the pocket. He was good off schedule. They took advantage of him rolling right, rolling left, and he's not – Savage won't be nearly as hard to defend as Watson. Defense has got to be going – And uh, but we'll see. It's lucky they play the Colts because then they got to go play the Rams, and uh, so they, they're desperate for a win here so they can even their record at 4-4. Four and four. John, could you see more of a commitment to the ground game because Lamar Miller is a quality back and they have depth now with Foreman and Blue in the rotation? Brian, they're third in rushing, and a big reason is because Watson was second in rushing and averaging 7.5 yards of carry, and uh, they have not – they need to use Foreman more. He's had three plays of at least 30 yards. Miller's, I don't think he's had one. They need to get him in more, but yes. This will be the same style as with Brock Osweiler, Brian Hoyer, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Run, run, run. Quarterback doesn't throw low-risk passes. Move the chains. Try to get points, at least field goals in the red zone. Don't score much and try to win close games. Let me give you an interesting stat. Last year with Osweiler, they scored only 23 offensive touchdowns in seven games, including six starts. Watson had accounted for 21. Wow. I mean, that, that, that goes to show you how much he meant to this football team. So, in other words, the philosophy, because of the quick strike, uh, the, the quick strike, striking capabilities by this offense, putting the ball in the end zone, 
Um, running the football will have to be a premium just to slow the game down, play a little bit more field position uh, type football, hopefully get this defense playing much better to be able to create those turnovers and maybe create a good field position for the offense. Would you say that's the philosophy for the most part? That's got to be the philosophy. problem on defense is last year they were number one and they played well enough to help offset the lack of production by the offense, but they don't have J.J. Watt, Vince Wilfork, Whitney Merciless, John Simon, Brian Cushing, A.J. Boyer, and Quinn Demps. They've got a whole, almost a whole new cast of characters. John, always a pleasure. We appreciate the information. Have a great weekend. Look forward to seeing you in person at the next big league event. Hey, Brian and Cordell, thank you very much. Hope you all have a great weekend. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Peter King here from the MMQB. Listen live this Sunday as I join Brian Weber and Nick Ferguson on NFL First and Goal. Over the shoulder, catch of the five, inside the pylon, touchdown! Between the biggest plays from around the league, we'll talk about the biggest storylines from this week's games and cover the day's action in real time. Catch NFL First and Goal every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. TuneIn is your home for the National Football League. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Joey from Roto Radar. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked up. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. We have a tremendous partnership with rotoradar.net. Check out their site for all the fantasy insights you need. Today, we're pleased to be joined by Joey on behalf of rotoradar.net. Joey, let's start with Thursday Night Football. Somebody's got to catch the passes that Josh McCown is completing. I know he only had 20 attempts, 14 completions, but a good game from Robbie Anderson. He got the most targets, and he had a touchdown. You buying Anderson moving forward? Uh, yes, actually, he's he's been pretty consistent. He started to separate himself from the pack, and I think he's somebody in a in a deeper league that you can at least count on as a wide receiver three or four, possibly a flex. Joey, when you look at this this team in New Orleans, everything has been focused on Drew Brees and his ability to be able to throw the football. Uh, but do you see there be – is there any concern, excuse me, any concern in the Saints and how they actually approach this game with the run game uh, and end up decreasing uh, Drew Brees' value? Well, yes and no. I mean, we've gotten spoiled the past few years because the, de- the defense in New Orleans has been so bad that uh, Drew Brees has had to pass it just to catch up, and now they're they're a real they're a real team. I mean they're they're going to compete, and since that defense is uh, is legit, I think we're going to have to look at things at a, a game by game basis, and it's more of a game flow issue uh, than anything. So there's going to be games. I think he's still going to be the old Drew Brees, but when they play uh, cupcake teams, there's going to be some situations where you know that running game is just going to dominate, and you probably need to sit him. And we know the Bucks have only come up with seven sacks as a team all season long. It's the Bucks and Saints on Sunday. Fantasy Fix, Joey from Roto Radar. Joey, let's marry what we see on the field, reality, and then get to fantasy football. So Seattle finally bolstering the offensive line, picking up Dwayne Brown from Houston. Do you think that's going to help them? 
run the ball better? Because you know it's been all Russell Wilson in the Emerald City. Well, yes and no. Um, the, the rest of the regular season, I wouldn't count on any of their running backs. But Seattle has a knack when playoff time comes around where they'll have a running back that'll, that'll rise to the top, and usually it's somebody like a Thomas Rawls. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is who we got used to. I think come playoff time, they'll have a running back that'll step up. But the rest of the season, I think uh, if you've got Russell Wilson or any of the wide receivers or Jimmy Graham, enjoy the rest of the season. Is there anyone on the Falcons offense, um, anyone on the Falcons offense that you feel has actually outperformed their expected value? Ouch. Uh, you know it's been a bad year when your kicker, Matt Bryant's not even performing up to par. Um, <laughs> really the only person you can say that's, that's returned uh, a good value has been Mohamed Sanu. And he's been extremely consistent, and for where you drafted him, I think you're very happy. But they, they've just not performed. Now, they do remind me a little bit of the Seattle Seahawks the past couple years where the first half of the season they just completely underperformed. Don't be surprised if the second half they figure some stuff out and they just uh, put it into another gear. Joey, we spent a lot of time the last couple of days talking about Deshaun Watson going down with the torn ACL, and we understand that football is a tough business. you got to make adjustments in fantasy football as well. So no Watson means what for Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins? Um, I'm really, really bearish on Will Fuller because he was not this good last year with the the collection of quarterbacks they threw out there. So I really have to believe that it was his special chemistry with Deshaun Watson that's led to his breakout. As far as Hopkins, if you look back, he's going to get his targets. I don't think his ceiling is going to be near as high as it was with Deshaun, but he's still going to possibly return wide receiver one, low-end wide receiver one uh, production for the rest of the year as long as the, the matchup dictates that. Joey, are there any guys after this week's performance that you are targeting as a free agent pickup? Quite a few uh, options here. Depending on how deep your league is, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is the obvious one if you're in a more shallow league. You you need to get him because he's going to consistently score the rest of the year. Um, The the trade deadline brought some, some really interesting changes. Uh, Kenyon Drake is one that I'm targeting in the deeper leagues. And if you're in a really deep PPR league, uh, you may want to start looking at Devontae Booker. Uh, He's leading the team of the running backs in targets. He's putting up at least 10 points in three of the past four games that he's he's played. So that's somebody I'd look at. Um, Also, you, you may want to look at Vernon Davis if you haven't noticed. He's borderline tight end one. And if you need a really deep, deep uh, tight end sleeper, uh, Deion Sims, now that Zach Miller's out, uh, Trubisky can't seem to throw to his wide receivers. So I would not be surprised if you see Deion Sims in a PPR league uh, average five catches a game for the rest of the season. Since we don't do a fantasy segment on Monday with all the content we have to dissect coming off of Sunday, let's wrap it up with the Monday night matchup. Lions and Packers, we know when we saw Brent Hundley make his starting debut, taking over for Aaron Rodgers. Hundley, less than 90 passing yards. How much better do you think he's going to be coming off a bye week? I think long term, he's going to have some good games. I'm kind of reluctant this week because the, the Lions have been really tough. They've got some great cornerbacks, an underrated defense. 
Um, I actually like the, the Lions better as a defense than I do the Packers as an offense this week. But don't give up on Adams and Nelson. There's going to be some spots this year where they're, they're going to have some good games. Joey, strong debut on the program. We appreciate the information. As we say goodbye, tell our listeners what they can find when they head over to rotoradar.net. Simply the best uh, analytics, and Rotoradar has the secret sauce that a lot of these other sites are missing. Drop the mic, Joey. Joey, may I ask you a question in terms of coming up with a handle? I like Joey. It's clean. It's old school. Did you think of maybe going with a little bit more of an exotic fantasy football name? (laughs) I do have a DraftKings handle of DH Pro, but good old Joey works for me. That's it, Joey. Thank you. And and I like the brevity, too, because you know we have a lot of content. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, sir. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustain peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on TuneIn premium today welcome back to nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart as we close out nfl no huddle the podcast it's time for cordell and i to tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on the field in week nine it takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Four minutes to pick every game on the schedule. Four and three Tennessee matching up with three and five Baltimore led by Joe Flacco returning from his concussion. Which one? Yes, that's Which one am I going with? I'll go with the Tennessee Titans. Of course. Right. I will take Tennessee as well. Two and five Tampa Bay. They're scuffling. They've lost four straight games. Saints, one of the hottest teams in all of football. Five and two looking for their sixth consecutive win. I'll take the Saints at home. How about you? I'm going with the Saints as well. I think they keep this thing going. They go to six and two. New Orleans offense. Go. Five and two Rams coming off the bye at the New York football Giants, who are merely one and six. Rams could be on upset alert, but they're going to win this game. It's going to be tight. They're going to win it 27 21. How do you see it? I give it 17 14. I see that team actually winning and prevailing because, yes, the Giants are going to play tough and hard at home, but I think the better team wins in the Los Angeles Rams. Seven and one Eagles hosting the three and four Broncos, led by Brock Osweiler, who Who's not going to do anything to change 
Denver's issues. It'll be their fourth straight loss. I'm taking Philadelphia at home. How about you? I've seen crazier things happen before, but it won't happen on this day when the Denver Broncos plays on the play against the Philadelphia Eagles. Jay Ajayi, I think he gets some credible run in this game. I'm going with Philadelphia Eagles. That defense and offense led by Carson Wentz. Divisional matchup in North Carolina. Four and three Atlanta. Four and four Carolina. I'm going to take the Falcons because I know how down you've been on them, and I want this show to be balanced. Falcons went on the road. How about you? And I'm staying down on them. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers at home. I don't think Cam Newton allows this summer to be one that he has to deal with from the angle of they lost against a hometown team. This is home for Cam Newton, but they're going to get it done at home in Charlotte against the Atlanta Falcons. Carolina wins that game. Four and three Jags, now the team to beat in the AFC South because of the Deshaun Watson injury in Houston, hosting the three and four Bengals who are playing better but not good enough. I'm taking my Jaguars at home. How about you? Now they're your Jags all of a sudden. You know what? I'm going to pick the Cincinnati Bengals to lose this game. I'm going with the Jags as well. Two and six, Indianapolis. Moving on without Andrew Luck. He's done for the rest of the year. So it'll be Jacoby Brissett guiding the offense once more on the road in Houston, trying to move on without Deshaun Watson. Texas at three and four. It's going to be narrow, but it's going to be a Houston victory. How do you see it? I'm going with the morale of this football team right now. They're a little deflated, but at the same time, they're going to play inspired football in spite of not having their guy, Deshaun Watson, in the game. I'm going with the Houston Texans. Three late games to pick. Three and four Arizona now being guided by Drew Stanton against the winless 49ers. I'll take the Cardinals on the road in the Bay Area. How about you? In the 49ers, Jed York, the mastermind, gets his first win. Ta-da! He can 49ers going to win that game. I'm going first win. They're 1-8 after this weekend. Watch what I tell you. Go ahead. Full prediction. 3-4 and four Washington on the road at 5-2 and two Seattle. Seahawks big at home is my prediction. How do you see it? I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks. I like Washington, but Kirk Cousins doesn't do much for me. I'm going Seahawks. 6-2 and two Chiefs on the road at the 4-3 and three Cowboys who will have Ezekiel Elliott. It will not matter. The Chiefs win this football game. How about you? I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. It's a must win to keep this momentum going. I think Zeke, because he doesn't know when it's the end. He gets it done. It beat Kansas City. Sunday night football, three and five Raiders, four and three Dolphins, guided by Jay Cutler coming back from the rib issue. I'll take the silver and black on the road. How about you? Too hot. I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. They can't handle the weather. It's too warm down there. Too much fun. I'm going with the Miami Dolphins, and we don't know for sure about Jay Cutler as far as how he's going to act in this game. But I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. I like them better. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.